The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. The Bavada at Odds Podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm joined by the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow, as we break down the latest odds in all the major sports. NFL week to week as the playoffs are upon us. We'll break down the latest odds plus the futures. It's the Bavada at Odds podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to episode 136 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I am joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, a really slow couple days in the NBA. How you doing? I'm doing well. You know, we just missed the James Harden trade last week, so we didn't get to talk about it. I wanted to do an emergency podcast, but you are you held steady and said we could talk about it, dive deep into it today. So that's our plan. Yeah, I wanted to do a couple things, I think. And I know you you were not super happy with me. There were a lot of negative things said about me in our in our text message chains, but I wanted to see how they looked, and I also wanted to wait for kind of like the vultures to circle and get more information on sort of what Harden's last couple of days were in Houston, what led up to that Zoom press conference where, you know, he was just like, we're not very good, we're not good enough, I, you know, I've given everything to the city. And well, I, was, I didn't want to spoil it, but I was going to give the same speech. I was going to say, <laughs> you know what, Tyler doesn't want to do an emergency podcast on the biggest trade of the year. I can't win with this. I need to go to the athletic. Here's my first question to you, Zandrick, and answer truthfully. And we'll get in, we'll get into all of it. We'll talk about how it went with each team. It is actually officially a four team deal now. And we'll explain why it was a three team at the time, but well, there's so many ramifications on like betting sites too. I mean, like how does it affect the title odds? Yeah. On Bovada Sportsbook, they are still the fourth best odds. It has not updated. It's, it's Martin Luther King day as we record. So can you bet that right now? Can I bet them to win the title right now? No, I'm saying did, or is it like off the board or is it still, as far as I know, it's on the board. I mean, I can check, but here's my question to you and and I'll, I'll find your answer. Do you think James Harden was wearing a fat suit at any point in his time (laughs) in Houston? Um, no, I mean that everyone's using those pictures. Like, and it is funny to see the differences. I don't know. I just if, if you've ever been on like Tinder or something, have you ever taken a picture of yourself? Like, you could definitely get different angles. Um, the the Bucks are currently plus three hundred. I'm sorry, the Brooklyn Nets are currently plus three hundred on Bovada to win the, win the NBA title. So those odds before that, it was like six to one, right? It wasn't that big of a swing. These are these are their original odds. Oh, their it has, original odds. They have not they have not updated. But on you t- are you telling me you could bet that right now? Though yes, I'm telling you you could bet it right right now if you wanted to go bet it. And as we'll get into, you could make worse bets. You could have done something like bet on Drew Brees in the uh, playoffs on Sunday against the Bucks. You could have been an idiot like me and done that. So, but I, 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 here's what I want to ask before we get into the deal, because because you've been critical of Harden. He's certainly not one of your favorite players, as he is one of mine. I want to hear from you how you think this ultimately, how this played out specifically over the last couple months affects people's views of James Harden. Like I, I want to get right into the narrative quickly before we actually talk about the basketball side, because I don't necessarily want to get bogged down in arguing if like we think what he did is okay, if we think how he acted is okay. Because you, you've been a big vocal critic of players that do this in, in any sport, right? We, we've talked about Deshaun Watson doing it right now in Houston. We've, we've talked a lot about Anthony Davis doing it. Like, so you, you've been very critical of players that do this. But you seem to think that the, the way that Harden handled it is, is really bad and, and that you think it'll affect kind of what his legacy, I don't know, no. legacy is. Yeah, and I, no, I kind of wanted to I dive I actually into that. disagree. I, I, I think it's the opposite. He's going to get slammed completely now. 
in the next few months, but we've just seen in the past, like how short people's memory is, you know, Kawhi like quit on San Antonio and then he gets traded and wins a title and everyone loves Kawhi that summer. Um, Anthony Davis, same thing, you know, he goes to LA and then wins. And Uh, so James uh, Harden has to win, right? Because the last two times this has happened, the star has won the title the next year. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And the only guy really, it's funny and ironic, I guess the only guy who never really wiped the slate clean was Durant. Durant. He's still like hated <laughs> by fans for leaving and going to Golden State, even though he did win the t- couple titles. Um, but I think ultimately, I don't like the move in general. Like I don't like like the integrity of you know signing a long term forty million dollar contract and then and then bailing on your team. In terms of his ultimate legacy, if he stayed in Houston, never won. I don't think he was going to win with the team they had. He would be remembered as you know whatever Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, Reggie Miller, yeah, right. And um, and now he gives himself a chance to win the title. Same thing with Durant. Like I don't think Durant was going to win on Oklahoma City. He had to leave, and he did. Mm-hmm. Same with Anthony Davis. It's, obviously, this is really hard to win a title. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to win a title if you like build organically. Like Damian Lillard is going to have a great career, but he's probably never going to win never a title. Win. If he's, he's, yeah, yeah. If he's in Portland his whole career, he's not winning a title. Like it's just you know, it's funny how people react to. Uh, it's funny how people react to different. I would say like things that happen with LeBron, right? Because you know, if LeBron doesn't go to LA and it's a little bit more wide open. You know, maybe all this doesn't really fall apart with Harden, but I I don't know, man. I, I just think that, like, the big thing is, is from the Nets perspective, like, you've got two years to do this, right? So Harden has two years left on his deal. Uh, Durant has two years left on his deal. Kyrie has two years left on his deal. And I do think that this makes it more likely that KD would resign. Like, if him and Harden have a great year this year with Kyrie and we'll get into the Kyrie stuff. We talked about it a little bit last week. He's questionable to play uh, Monday night, which is when we're recording. So we'll know based when this comes out, if you played, but I think it gives them a chance to sign long-term deals. I think it's possible. Right. And, and I think the, the, the big thing is going to be, does Durant get to be universally thought of as the number one guy on the nets? Right. Because like, that's kind of been his thing. It's like, he went to Golden State, you know, he, he classed with Westbrook and that was kind of overblown, but like, that's one of the reasons he left and he goes to Golden State and like Steph Curry was like clearly the number one guy in Golden State, even though, I mean, we both agree Durant was better. So now Harden is joining Durant. And I think it's like, we both agree James is better than Kyrie, but we both agree. I think that KD is better than Harden. And so do you think Durant would stay in, in Brooklyn for five years and try to take that many shots to win a title? Or do you think that this collective group of guys is just not going to gel to the point where we'll see all three of them there in 2024. It's a good point. And it reminds you of the Clippers who like mortgaged their future, so to speak to for literally like two years of Kawhi Leonard, right. Um, Or whatever it was. And, you know, it was a short term, no guaranteed contract and past that. And they're like, maybe they're going to be really bad in three years, four years. If, if Kawhi gets hurt or doesn't stay. And the same thing is here with Brooklyn. You're right. Like they gave up so many picks in the you know future, the next few years. If the, all these guys leave, they're in real trouble. Um, but I think it's fine for two reasons. The point you're making, like I think it encourages Kyrie and Kevin Durant to stay. Yep. Like look how much we gave up for you. This is all we did for you. You can't like abandon us now. You know, we like mortgaged our future to like buy you a house. You can't leave the house. Um, I don't know if that'll work. In theory, in theory, theory, it's a good, it's a good thought. Yeah. But even if it wasn't true and I'll make this argument, this will be less popular. Even if that's not true, even if Durant told them, look, I'm leaving in two years, regardless, I still think it's the right move because 30 teams in the league, you do not have a chance to win a title very often. To your point, you have two chances right now, this year, next year, you're never as the nets are never going to have as good of a chance to win a title if they built organically, if they started over, if they were a mediocre team, like this is, you gave yourself a chance to win a championship. That's sort of the point. And like these picks with Durant and like, honestly, we've talked about this before. And this, the one trade that this reminds you of a little bit from an asset standpoint is like what Brooklyn gave up to get Garnett and Paul Pierce 
from Boston back in like 2013. And everyone at the time was like, that deal's terrible. But one of the reasons that that deal was terrible at the time was that like Garnett was like a shell of himself. And we know it like you're trading for specifically James Harden at, at like the peak of his powers. Like, yes, you might be getting him at 95%. Maybe a hundred was James Harden in 2018 when he won MVP, but like you have Durant and you have Kyrie and you have James Harden while they are miles better than Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett was were right. Like, right? like so, the specifics on that Garnett's last season in Boston, he was 36. Yeah. Like, and so the next year and he, he was okay. He averaged 15 and eight. And then the next he, year in Brooklyn down to seven and seven, like right. he and completely his knees, cashed. Yeah. Crashed. His knees were toast. And so like, yeah, listen, if, if any of these guys gets hurt and they, they, they get unlucky in that regard, like then, yeah, the deal's going to look terrible. But in, in terms of comparing the two deals, like, it's not the same in, in what the Nets return is, right? Because they, they really do have two, they have two years where they have as good a shot to win the title as anybody. And I think we saw that at Saturday night against Orlando without Kyrie. We, we watched how hard it's going to be for teams to defend Harden with the ball in his hands or Kyrie with the ball in his hands and KD on the weak side. And then you add Kyrie to that mix. And now you have two guys that you can't help off of. Like Joe Harris is just getting open threes, right? Jeff Green's going to make open threes and, and the Nets you know, that people are making comments about like the lack of center and the lack of depth, but like they're going to play guys like Joel Embiid off the floor. Like, I don't think that they match up. I don't think that like, like the Clippers and the Bucks to me, and then even the Lakers too, because of how good Anthony Davis is like, those are good matchups for the Nets. They should be great games on offense, but like, I don't care about the fact that like DeAndre Jordan is going to have to guard Joel Embiid. Like, are you telling me that playing the, the big three with Joe Harris and then like DeAndre Jordan at the five is going to like hinder them scoring the ball. Like they, they have three of like the best. They, the, do they have the three best one-on-one scores in the NBA right now? I mean, they might. Well, I, to the a point about the assets, I think it's, I mean, do you agree that like they should have made this deal? I mean, like I, I would have made risky. this deal. I would have made this deal a hundred times out of a hundred yeah. for both teams, to be honest. And I, I'll tell you why. The other thing is like Brooklyn just showed they can sign free agents. So like, What's to stop them in 2025 when they're like, oh, we have no picks, but like, why can't we just sign two more max players? Right. right? Like, and I why- think that's the Clippers logic too. Like if yeah. everyone leaves, we'll sign decent guys. And, and there are um, not a lot of teams that can pull that off. Right. So like, I wouldn't encourage a team like, like, I think but, Miami can pull it off. I think the two New York teams can pull it off despite like what the Knicks, James Dolan. Tor- you know, Toronto point. took a risk when trading for Kawhi Leonard too. It, it's and did them. not resign him. And it worked out because they won the title, but you know, if they did not win the title, that would have been a criticized. And I think they're going to, I think they'll, they would have made that deal over again. Let, let, let's go over the assets really quickly. Cause it is, it is wild, right? So it ends up being a, a, a totally four team deal. Originally it was a three team deal. And then Houston turned around and flipped Karis Levert to Indiana. But because there was an MRI that popped in Karis Levert's physical, he has like a, like a growth or like a mark on his kidney and they're not sure what it is. So he's shut down right now. Uh, they've turned this into a four team deal which is weird because Harden played, I guess, before this was finalized and then they refinalized it. But so now Brooklyn's sending like an extra 2.6 million in cash to Indiana. But so Brooklyn deals, Brooklyn gets James Harden and, and that's it, right? Like they don't, they don't get anything else. So Houston trades James Harden. They receive in this deal, Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, my guy, Curix, they get Brooklyn first round picks in 22, 24, and 26. They get Milwaukee's unprotected 2022 pick from Cleveland. And then they get four pick swaps, 21, 23, 25, and 27. So, I mean, that's a huge haul. They control Brooklyn's next seven drafts. They add, they now have three picks in 2022, two of which should be pretty bad, right? Brooklyn and Milwaukee's pick are going to be pretty bad. And, and but notably all unprotected, I think. Correct. But they have their own, so that should be a pretty high pick, we'd assume. Although this Rockets team is not like totally dead in the water. Uh, so then Brooklyn gets James Harden, but in doing so, we, we talked about the picks they traded. But then they also trade Levert to Indiana. Jared Allen to Cleveland, Torian Prince to Cleveland, and then Keurig's obviously back to the Rockets. Indiana gets Karis Levert, and then they get a second from Cleveland, and they give up Victor Oladipo. And then Cleveland trades Exum in the pick for Jared Allen and Torian Prince. So if you want to talk about like the margins of the deal, I think Indiana did pretty well. 
And I think Cleveland did really well to just be the fourth team in the deal and get Jared Allen. Uh, and yeah, they have to resign him, but like Jared Allen's pretty good and they're going to let Drummond walk. They're not going to resign him. And all they gave up was a late first. I mean, that's pretty good, right? Because you're probably not getting a player as good as Jared Allen at the 29th pick, right? Right. And you're going to have to pay him eventually. But you, like you said, you know, it's either Drummond or him, probably. Right. So, so you could go I mean, honestly, they, they traded Dante Exum, who I guess I got to jump off that bandwagon. And then they get like Prince, which ends up being cap relief. And it's another vet for a team that they can use. Although you already started a problem with Kevin Porter, I guess. And then they get Jared Allen. So I think that's pretty good. Indy. But I, I mean, like, talk about like, you know, everyone's talking about this basically eight picks, right? You know, four pick swaps, four first rounders. There's a chance and a pretty sizable chance that none of those pick swaps will convey because Rockets are going to be really bad. Brooklyn's going to be really good. You would only swap if you, if it was the opposite. And there's a chance that none of those picks will be, you know, below pick 20. Yeah. I mean, if, if, to be honest with you, like, let's just say these guys end up playing together for five years. It's a big risk for Houston, but yeah, like Milwaukee 2022 pick. That's what is that? 28, 29. It's going to be, it's going to be a a late first pick. And and here's the thing, like this is kind of a little bit like what Daryl Moore used to do before they got Harden, which is like, you just, you stay super flexible, right? And you just have a bunch of first round picks that you can add into deals in case the right guy comes available. Because I think we've, we've started to see with Houston, their plan now is to operate under the luxury tax and they're, they're not going to be a, a big player in signing free agents. Like, yeah, they'll go get a Christian Wood at three for 50, you know, three for 50, which is good. But like, I don't know what player is going to sign in Houston on a max deal at this point. It, it, it seems like it's not a place people are going to want to go to voluntarily to play. So staying flexible in the draft and staying flexible in the trade market is pretty important. And, and I think Raphael Stone did well here Zan like I think for his first like huge move I think he did really well personally I, I don't know what I mean I guess getting credit for it and you you like it I don't like it at all for Houston well um, let's I talk mean, about it yeah, yeah I'll tell you why um I think it's a panic move I think it's a you know low leverage trade um like I just mentioned like there's a chance look the, the chance that all those guys get hurt and leave and these are top 10 picks it is pretty small it's, 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 it's pretty small. And yeah. even if that's true, let's say they all leave and then you end up with a pick number five and a pick number seven. And that's still not good enough to me to get James Harden. So, yeah. you know, even having top 10 picks isn't necessarily that important. I think their goal really was to get um, as flexible, keep their flexibility, of course, get draft picks, get under the luxury, get, get under get luxury, really tags. bad, you know, get bad for next year um, when they have their own pick. I just don't see the point of, you know, logically they don't have their own pick. So like tanking now does not help them. If in a perfect world, you could have played this year out with James Harden, maybe made the playoffs and then tank next year, trade him in the off season. But I think Harden just forced their hand by being yeah. such a, like a turd that <laughs> they felt like they had to get rid of like the stink sooner than later. But they, I think they traded him for, a mediocre package that's really not going to change their chances. The only thing that's going to change their chances are getting lucky in the lottery or signing somebody. Like, I don't think anybody they get in this return or any of these picks are going to be difference makers. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the hope is that in 2022 you have three picks and that drafts really deep because the one and done rule, as we talked about, like it's a double draft and like you hit right and you get Amani Bates, you know, like that's the way, but even still, like if you told me the Houston Rockets in the next draft had picks, one, two, three, four picks one through 10. Are they going to draft a guy who's good at James in 20 in 2021 or 2022? Either one. I mean, what are the odds that guy's no, you're right. as good as James? Yeah, you're, you're right. We, we've, we've been doing this thought exercise with Trevor Lawrence. Like how many QBs right now would you take over the opportunity to take Trevor Lawrence? And like, he's very good, but like with James Harden, like I'm, I'm pretty sure there's, I'm pretty sure every team in the NBA, if you, if you got locked in James Harden for three to five years, would take James Harden over the number one pick. Over, right. over, and, and that's sort of like what I don't really like about the current culture in the NBA in terms of fandom too. It's like so many of these GMs can survive by like kicking the can down the road. Like, oh, you know, I'm a good GM because we have picks in 2028. It's like, so what? Like you didn't win. or And like re- winning doesn't get rewarded really. Like remember, hey, Miami went to the finals last year. Isn't that a great accomplishment? Now no one cares. 
Now they're four and seven. Now they're not good. Now everyone's blaming each other. It's like same with like, you know, Portland. Portland made the conference finals. What did they get for it? Nothing but flack now because they didn't, you know, they don't have a 500 record. It's really funny. Like it's, it's, I don't know, man. Picks are like such a mirage of like excitement, but also like you have to like come to grips with the fact that like if you're Sam Presti, right? It's this whole thing of like, can these teams operate like the Tampa Bay Rays operate in baseball, right? Where you can operate like way below the threshold and you don't, you don't hold on to your stars, but you can continue to player development and pump guys out. And the answer in the NBA is just, it's not like that. Like you have to have a star player, right? Like you, you, I mean, honest to God, like what's the last finals where like, there wasn't like a super duper star team like on a team that won i right. I, I mean 2004 with the pistons right every other final since then it's like well i mean miami's debatable i mean is jimmy butler super superstar I don't they know. lost though is my right. point like yeah, yeah they they were in the finals but like i mean and it's almost to the point where you need two or three superstars yeah it, 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 so it's like if you're houston like sure stay flexible i'm glad to hear you say this honestly because I, I felt like i was in the minority when everyone was like this brooklyn package is unbelievable and it's like yeah it's great like I didn't like the fact that they traded Jared Allen just because he's so much better than DeAndre. Right, Jordan. and why not get Jared Allen if you're building for the future? He's twenty, whatever, three or something. Exactly, but like Kyrie Levert, like okay, I'm cool with that. They're gonna let Dinwiddie walk. They're gonna pay the luxury tax. Like it, it is what it is. But like I like, you know, like Bruce Brown is like a pretty serviceable perimeter defender. He gets to play. Like Landry Sham, it's been terrible for them, but like he's a guy who can make open shots. We think like the the Nets are are, are basically banking on the fact that like. We have three dudes that can score anytime. All three are elite shooters. All three are two of the three are elite ball handlers. And one is like probably the highest basketball IQ guy outside of LeBron in the NBA. And like they're just banking that you can't guard them. And that it's possible their personalities may explode. They do have a very strong coaching staff to manage this group with with Nash and Ime Doka and Jacques Vaughn and Mike D'Antoni. Like it's a very strong coaching staff to be able to manage egos from a lot of different perspectives. So that makes me happy. But like you're exactly right. Like Houston is basically saying now, like we don't care to win. And and it's interesting because the decisions they made, like we know Russ requested a trade. Like he wanted out. He was tired of the culture. He was upset about the Daryl Morey stuff. And he was upset with how Harden was treated in terms of like how Harden was allowed to do whatever he wanted. But like they signed John Wall, they signed DeMarcus Cousins. Like those are guys that like they, they didn't show up to lose. Like they have still a PJ Tucker. Like those guys don't want to lose games. So now you're even probably in a more precarious position because you have a roster that's Christian Wood has been really good, right? Jason, Jason Tate, like that's, that guy's been awesome. Just plucked out of Europe, right? Like the, it, it, it's a situation where like this Houston team's also not horrible. Like with Harden, like they still were, in, you I still have were, some weird pieces. Like PJ Tucker's like 35, Eric Gordon's still on a long-term contract. He's 32. You know. It's like, you're really, I thought I that mean, this, go ahead. Sorry. I, I was just gonna say like, and then the, like sort of the elephant in the room is allegedly, you know, depending on whom you want to listen to the Rockets had the chance to change trade for Ben Simmons instead and pieces and decided that according to some reports that they were stubbornly not wanting to deal with Daryl Morey. Yeah. We should talk. We should actually talk about this, but I, I will say one thing I thought about this Rockets team. I thought that if Harden bought in, this was the type of team that would be really interesting to him with him to play on because like he wants to be an underdog, but he's, he's a little soft in that regard. And like, I don't, speak ill of James often on this show, but like this was the type of team where like he had dudes that would like go to war for him. If, if he just cared and he just yeah, didn't and, like, and Christian Wood, what a good fit for him. I think. Yeah. It's it just, it's weird that like he literally, I have, I have, we have rarely seen a player detonate a situation like, like this, like when he was ready to be out, like he didn't even, tr- he said the right things to the media for like 12 hours. in, And then after that was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Well, that's why from Houston's point of view, like I probably would have run it back just one more year and contingent on Harden, like being yeah, checked in. I, I think they couldn't do it. Right. I think like they watched it and it's just like, he, he just didn't care. Like the last three games he played, including like the last one against the Lakers where they got blown out, like his energy level and like his effort level was just. Right. And he was like pouting and maybe spoiling the locker room. But from a trade return standpoint, I don't think there's much benefit for trading him with two years left on his contract than one. Than one, yeah. You probably um, get the same, honestly. And especially so, if Brooklyn panics, right? Like if Brooklyn doesn't if Brooklyn doesn't get to where they want this year, like maybe they panic and they they give you more. I don't know. It's weird because like But like if I'm Houston, I, I think I would have I don't care about the I, I kind of get the spite, you know, like Larry David spite store kind of thing. I get not wanting to give Philly a chance to win the title. 
But um, Ben Simmons, you could have got him in. He's super young still. Basically, you know, got him comfortable this year. Even if you tank again next year to get a good pick, you could pair Ben Simmons with a top tier talent. Well, I think that's is, getting you a step ahead of where they are now. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. So first of all, like Philly, you know, not not to be kind of like dismissed because Philly has played quite well. Like Philly's like plus eighteen hundred to win the title on Bovada, and I don't know that like they can actually win the title. But I do buy the people who. I don't, I, I've said this before. I don't buy people who are like, Oh, I don't want James Harden. Like he, he's a Koji offense killer. Like he's not that good. Don't buy that at all. I do buy a little bit of Philly being like, it'll take some time to integrate him with Embiid. Cause Embiid is not the easiest guy to play, play with. He, he's played awesome so far this year, but I don't know what side of the rumor to believe. I told you privately that they were trying to trade for Ben Simmons a couple months ago, right? Like a month ago that it You're was saying it, Philly would agree to that. Would yeah, and and I and there's a report that came out. I don't remember who wrote it. Mike or uh uh I can't remember his name. Keith Pompey, sorry, from the Inquirer. He used to cover Temple. I should remember his name. He reported that both Simmons and Matisse Thibel were told on Wednesday to be prepared to go to Houston. And then People wow. in hold on, and people in Philly were like expecting to get that deal done, and so then there's a report that came out that like Tillman was like, "I am not dealing with Daryl Morey, so I will never okay this deal, right? Like I won't do it." But then there's also people reporting now that Houston had no intention of wanting Ben Simmons, that they actually wanted to drive up Brooklyn's price, and that they even included Boston in the last negotiations to try to continue to drive up Brooklyn's price. So I think we'll never know the answer. I do, knowing what we know about Tillman Furtada, buy into the fact that he would be very spiteful to not trade I think, with you know what? I think I would be as well, to be honest. Like, I'm putting myself in his shoes. I know he's a douchebag in general. <laughs> he, is, he is that, yeah. But if somebody tries to, like, twist your arm, like, I, I my tendency is to not give him what they want. I might have traded him to Detroit. I don't, you know, maybe I'm that spiteful. Because if you're not going to win anyway, you might as well screw over the person. Do you um, think that this gives Harden the best chance to win a title? Or do you think Phil, he would be better in Philly? I think this does. I mean. Yeah, and that's, and that's, the, that's the thing, too. Like, they, they did, like, James, this is this is where the, the, the current culture of the NBA is. I don't want to be a get-off-my-lawn curmudgeon, and there are a lot of those. And I understand why people are like, this is why the current culture of the NBA sucks, is because, like, this dude comes in basically destroys the locker room for nine games and then gets exactly what he wants, right? Right. Like you just trade him exactly where he wants to go. And it's, it shouldn't work that way in theory, but it it, it really does. Like it's, it's now. Well, you know, it's funny. I saw you joke sometimes about Ryan McDonough, the GM, because I follow him on Twitter, the old Phoenix GM. And he was talking about somebody. I don't think it was James Harden. It was somebody else, Marvin Bagley, maybe. And he was like, you know, teams don't like it when you say bad things. It really hurts your trade value around the league. And I'm like, why would he care? He'd rather get <laughs> traded for less. You know, like it doesn't matter to him. It helps yeah. him to hurt his own trade value. I mean, I would be honest. I'll be honest with you. I was surprised that given how radioactive Harden had been the last like three days before this trade went through. I mean, the, the Rockets had essentially, it's only athletic now, but the Rockets had had a team meeting and basically drawn the line in the sand. They even said it. They were like, we told him like he's not going to be part of team activities. So at that point we knew the trade was coming and I'm surprised that Brooklyn like went that high, honestly, like I'm surprised. Like you would think that Brooklyn could be like, you know, guys, like this dude's not going to play for you. Right. So like, but, but, you, I, but it, I, it's just, I think, I think that Durant, I think one of the urgency not to step on you is that we still don't know the whole story with Kyrie, yeah, but really I think upset. there's part of Durant, part of the organization. that's like, is this really the second guy that we yeah. need? And so I think Harden's a better fit with Durant. I think he's more reliable. He's more durable. Maybe they thought, you know, Kyrie's just a bonus at this point. We can't rely on this guy. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, we saw the first game they played together. They they beat Orlando in a game that was, like, quite close. And Orlando's a good defensive team. But, I mean, Durant goes for 42 on 26 shots. And Harden shows up, like, sheds the fat suit and goes for 32 14 and 12 like right right and they both play 40 minutes and they they beat it pretty good orlando's pretty good honestly like they're not amazing but they're not you know they're not dead man walking out there and i think i've heard two varying reports on Kyrie. i've heard one that yeah there was some panic that he may not play again but then i've also heard that there was like 
Kyrie was like engaged in a silent protest himself, which was like, get us more help. Like, have you heard that? Like, you, it you- makes sense. I mean, like, I don't think he did this in a vacuum without the Harden stuff, but I mean, come on, you sign with Kevin Durant to a team that made the playoffs the last couple of years. Like if you need really more help, how much more help can you be expected he, to get? He is an odd I just think like we need to call it what it is. Like just like it's 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 so dumb for us to sit here on two different computer screens and try to like get inside of Kyrie's mind and be like, what's going on? Because like I, he just makes decisions that just make no sense, right? Like it just is like, and I want to see him in this offense. Like the basketball purist in me, like so badly wants to see them five out with Jeff Green and just see what it looks like, or like even like five out with Landry Shamit and see what it looks like. But it, it is think, funny. People have made this point. It's like Kyrie apparently left Cleveland because he didn't like being the second banana. He's third banana now. Yeah, he's clearly third in the pecking order. I wonder if – and then I also wonder, like, obviously they're going to start all three of these guys. And, and the beauty of these three specific guys is that, like, you never have to have one of them off the floor. Like, they can right. all do a lot of different things, right? Like, they can all handle the ball. They can all initiate the offense. They're all elite shooters. Like, you could, you just – we talk about staggering players, like – if we watch a game later in the year and it's like a close game and we see the three guys sitting on the bench, like we should just fire Steve Nash. Right. And yeah. to be honest, if you really balance it properly, you could have two out of the three at all, all the times. time. And we know too, like Harden, this might be amazing for James, just in the sense that like maybe he plays 32 minutes a game for the first time in like a while. And he's not just like gassed by the end of the regular season. Like he has been, I mean, he's, he doesn't have to take the same isolation load as he's taken before. And so, I don't know. I I, I want to see Kyrie play. I'm assuming he will. But if you told me, like, hey, Kyrie came back for five games and then he was upset about something else and he didn't play, I do think there is that level of panic from the Nets. Like, that could definitely happen, right? Like, you can't rule out that Kyrie doesn't play in 20 games this year. Well, I, I think if you, if you figure out their style, I think, you know, Harden – I, it looks like he's in good enough shape. He'll work himself into shape, hopefully, in the, and be as good as he was. I think he's going to be like the horse and um, really be the driving function of the offense. Like, I, I think, think so. that he's the best at that. I think so, too. And I'd be Durant, surprised if he was. It lets Durant take a little bit of a some time off, too, and then play almost like he did in Golden State, where it's like, I'll be here if you need me. You know, if things get tough in the half court, um, I could really step up. But in the meantime, I'll be like a 25-point and- guy. And the and, one thing, and Kyrie could be like the third guy, and who could really come in and out. And they honestly, like, if you told me Kyrie was not coming back this year, I still think this team could make the conference finals. They definitely could. And the one, the one reason why too is like, especially if Kyrie does come back, like him and Durant are just like more pure scorers, right? I know Kyrie is a point guard, but like in general, he's a much better scorer. But like Harden is like a distributor. Like that dude is like a natural playmaker. Like he'll, if you're open, he will find you and he will put the ball right in the shooting pocket every single time. So like the idea that you can get like Durant with the ball going downhill, or you can get Kyrie spotted up in the corner with like a a high closeout, like they should be able to theoretically just like with these three dudes, get any shot they want. And then you got Joe Harris, who's a 45% three point shooter. You got that's what's scary too. Like, you know, Harden's offense was a great offense with Eric Gordon hitting 33% of his shots and and Russell Westbrook. Like, you know what I mean? Like PJ Tucker, like is a very good corner three point shooter, but he doesn't shoot above the break threes. Like Daniel house, like good three point shooter. Like these dudes are like, we've talked about this before. Kevin Durant should shoot 15 threes a game and he just doesn't do it. He may be forced to shoot like seven or eight threes a game now because they're just going to be wide open looks. Yeah, I mean, it is crazy that he's still not shooting a lot of. He's shooting six a game right now, even though he's hitting forty eight percent. Like, shoot more threes. You're very good at this skill. I do think, um, obviously, defensively, we we should probably touch on this because, like, it's it's going to be tough. Like, Kyrie's a bad defender. Harden is a better defender than he gets credit for. He is far from a good defender. And Durant is coming off an Achilles tear, and he's you know thirty plus, and he's probably not the one man like wrecking crew that we we saw in, in 2017 anymore, but he probably needs to be that. And they should just, I, I personally think that they should just play like the Warriors played and just, and just switch everything. Like they should just be super switchy, especially with Jeff Green in the game. And then with Deandre Jordan, like maybe you, you kind of do a little bit more of like drop coverage with him specifically, but I think on the perimeter, they should just be switching. I, I think it makes the most sense. Well, I feel that that's why I'm like conflicted about the fit defensively. So, um, you know, I think they're lacking sort of the four or five. Like if you have Kyrie's like an 
you know, average, below average defender. Harden, probably same thing. Joe Harris, if you're playing him at small forward, same thing. Yeah, at the and four, too, t- like he's going to be buried, Joe Harris. It's right. The, and yeah. so Durant can play, you know, or he he's fine. He'll fill one of those other spots. But you play DeAndre Jordan. I think they're going to play a lot of Jeff Green, which isn't great. <laughs> it's It's scary, though he has had his best results as a small ball five. But right. it is scary. He is... But like, so the bad part is like, are we trusting Jeff Green and Durant as our four or five to guard LeBron and Anthony Davis or to guard Joel Embiid? The the good part to to your point about switching is like Joe Harris is strong and he can play a few different positions. James Harden, you know, not a great defender, but he could guard bigger guys. And he's he's actually usually, I, I don't know, this year's hard to take it from, but like, He's a good post defender, James Harden. Right. Like he's like if you if you were playing James Harden's not a great defender, but if you were playing, let's say, Denver, he could guard Gary Harris, he could guard Will Barton, he could guard like he could even guard like Paul Millsap, probably. Yeah, he could guard Jamichael Green. Like those those are okay guys for him. The the problem is this group the teams that they're gonna play late in the year, there aren't enough guys to hide. Harden and Kyrie and Joe Harris, like somebody's going to have to guard a capable player, right? That's right. going to happen. And so, will we watch the Nets? Like, you know, we've seen this before, where dudes just go at the same player over and over again if somebody plays, right? Like for, for a while in Denver, and Jokic has now gotten a lot better at this. But it's funny you mentioned Denver. Like, we watched teams just go at Michael Porter last year in the playoffs, and we watched teams two years ago just go at Jokic over and over again. And now, Jokic is good enough offensively to overcome this. The Nets, I am assuming, will be good enough to overcome this, but it is possible. Like we could watch. Remember last year, Houston just like just went at Shea Gilgis Alexander like every time he was in the game. Like right. you know what and I mean? Then, like and team- I was thinking of Denver too because like you know, who was the breakout player for them? Jeremy Grant because he's just like a big forward who can you know competently guard LeBron. And the Nets are lacking in those kind of guys, yeah, just sort of like the big forward. Yeah, it's got. Um, I mean, Bruce. I, I, I keep saying his name, but like, I swear to God, Bruce Brown is going to end up playing a really big role in this team because like he, obviously he's, he's not as big as you want him to be, but he's like six, four, two ten, two fifteen. Like he can credibly guard a, a, a bigger wing and not well, of course, but like at some point somebody's got, you know, like Durant is going to have to guard Giannis. He's going to have to guard LeBron, but like, Right. You play those two teams, and somebody's got to guard Chris Middleton, right? Somebody's got to guard Anthony Davis, and like, well, I'm we- surprised the Nets didn't push to include PJ Tucker in this because I heard they tried. They did try because I mean I he, heard. he would fit as like a small ball five. Um, he, God, I can't could you imagine list- this team with PJ Tucker at the five? Wow, it's just unbelievable. I was also thinking of Nash's old teammate Boris Diaw. I'm like, is like the small ball center who could pass. I feel like he would fit really well. Um, maybe give him a call. <laughs> a couple, a couple of, a couple of the fans of Philly fans, and I know there are like diehard Philly fans. There are some people that have like put it in their mind that like they didn't want James Harden, right? But there is a another group that like cares about basketball and thinks Harden's really good. And I did see two different memes that were like, I can't believe that the Sixers let a left-handed James Harden keep them or left-handed Boris Diaw keep them from trading for James Harden. <laughs> Um, can I read you a list of some guys who are available? Tell me if you think I think because I do think yeah, they they're going to have a couple be, bodies, and they're going to have to be active on the buyout market too. But shoot, go for it. Okay, so some guys that um, buyout guys that are could be around: Robin Lopez, Gorgie Ding, Trevor Ariza, maybe. I mean, Dang would be really good. Dang and Ariza would be really good. Um, the guys who are actually free agents right now, I think the biggest name that's mentioned a lot is Dwayne Dedman. Um, you know. Decent, you know, stretch five. You know, probably can play 10, 15 minutes. He's like right? terrible in the locker room, apparently. Yeah. Um, Noah Vonley, John Henson, you know. Noah Vonley would not be horrendous. And then defensive guys talking about Andre Roberson is available. Um, and then Rondé Hollis Jefferson, who was on the Nets before, he is oh, currently not, a free agent. That might not be bad. But I wouldn't, I, I don't think I'd go with Roberson, right? Because, like, why would you bring someone in who screws your spacing up? Like, Gorgie like Jang. a yeah, like Hollis Jefferson, Vonley, they're all good defenders. They're not terrible. Um, Deadman, you know, actually Deadman would be really good in small limit. I mean, because I do think they, but I think they need that sort of small ball five a little bit more than the traditional five. Because you have Jordan, you have Claxton coming back. They're okay, but you need yeah, a little bit more help. Claxton's a pretty interesting guy for this group because he's he's still so young, but he's very you know like he he plays hard, like he's skilled. I mean, I think. We have definitely seen that it just 
your typical like one through five positions on good teams just like don't exist anymore. Like when the Lakers are running like Anthony Davis pick and rolls with like freaking Montrez Harrell, like we just don't care at this point, right? Like it just doesn't matter. And so I don't know. I, I'm excited to see this happen. I think I don't know if I would have if I was redoing odds, like if I was Bovada's odds maker, I don't know that I would have the Nets as the favorite. I, I still I think this makes them really scary. I think if they get hot for 30 games, I don't know who can stop them. I I probably would still say that I think the full strength Clippers and the full strength Lakers and the full strength Bucks are better than them. But there isn't a team that I'd be more confident in their ability to get a bucket when they need it down the stretch. Like we we watch the Bucks and like they they clam up in the playoffs. Like they they get teams switch on them and they they struggle offensively. So like. I probably like Brooklyn better in the playoffs than I like Milwaukee. The Clippers, same deal. We watched it. Like it's sometimes it's hard for Kawhi, you know, and it's, it's, it's getting harder for LeBron. So I think the key is like, do they get enough stops where it matters? And and that's probably why I want to say like, I'd wait and see before I would install Brooklyn as a title favorite, but I a hundred percent think they're better today than they were last Friday. Well, let's say those are updated odds on Bovada. That's 350 you said plus 350 300 300 it sounds realistic i mean would you bet it or is that a stay away no i i probably i mean i don't like betting favorites anyway but i definitely I, I definitely have gotten to this point in the nba season where i do think there are teams that like could be surprises but like i don't think phoenix can win the title right i don't think philly can win the title like i i, I thought dallas had a chance i don't think that right now i need to see how they play with porzingis like i definitely think right now one of the four teams I mentioned is going to win the NBA title. Now, if, yeah. if you told me somebody snuck in there and, you know, well, there's a lot of basketball to be played. No, but I, I, I don't think there's that much basketball. <laughs> I think that, I think it's, you're right. I think there's four realistic title teams. I would rank them slightly differently. Can you, can you call up the Bovada odds? I'm just curious what they have. Cause I would put Lakers first. Yeah. They're the Lakers are, the Lakers are good. And like somehow a bit under the radar because of other things that have happened. So Lakers are plus two sixty. That makes sense. I think I would put Brooklyn second just because of the upside. I don't they think they're plus, there yet. Plus three hundred, and then I would put Clippers third, and then Milwaukee fourth. Yeah, they have the same. The Clippers and Milwaukee have the same odds, so it makes sense. I mean, and the Clippers have started to play better. You know, we haven't really talked about the LA teams, but I mean, as the season has shaken out, like the Clippers and the Lakers and the Bucks are the three best teams. Other, you know, real by by record. So right, like I think the Lakers are the best team right now. I think the Clippers in the Nets can get there. They just need to tweak a little bit. Um, like guys like we're talking about, even they're not big names, but just like protecting yourself, you know, defensively a little bit. Um, you know, the, the risk of injuries is still pretty high. That that brought me to an interesting question for from Brooklyn's point of view. Um, because they have Spencer Dinwiddie's contract, right? And they have a trade exemption, I think, left. They do. So you and could they, trade they... Dinwiddie, who's getting paid about 12 million a year and they got an injury exemption from him. So I don't know if they can trade him actually. I, I don't uh, know how this works to be told. Totally okay. Honest. But let's say they could do bring in somebody like a decent rotational guy or the risk of that is if Kyrie goes off the reservation, we might need Dinwiddie next year. What would you do in that situation? Well, they're probably, yeah, it's a good question. I probably would not trade Spencer Dinwiddie. Just because you want to keep his rights for the next year. I mean, like if if Houston called me and was like, "We'll give you PJ Tucker for Spencer Dinwiddie," I'd probably do it. But like, it depends on who it is, right? It depends on whose contract matches. I, I think like, it would but be why nice. wouldn't Houston do that? I mean, I know that. I don't know. I mean, with- I, honestly, I, I'm telling you, like, as far as I know from the Houston perspective, and I don't want to say like I've gotten way deep and like behind the curtain because I certainly haven't. Houston does. You keep saying like they want to get really bad. You keep saying I that. think that's what I thought. I mean, they do not want to do that. They want to be competitive. They traded. They got Victor Oladipo back. They want to take. A, they want to take this year and look at how Victor Oladipo plays for them to see if they can re-sign Victor Oladipo using his bird rights. I'm telling you, they don't want to tank. I do think PJ Tucker has the potential to. He will be more professional about it than Harden was, but I think there's a chance that PJ Tucker could just be like, either extend me or trade me. I don't want to be here anymore unless you extend me, and I want a commitment. I think that's possible. I think he could definitely be on the move, and I think he's a very attractive guy because of how he defends and how he can make open shots. But again, he wants a new contract. But the, to me, like Houston is not looking to bottom out, which is insane to think about. But if if they look at it, 
And if they look and they're like, okay, Oladipo is not the guy and they let him walk, then they have an opportunity to bottom out next year for the 2022 draft. But if they right. think Oladipo's that guy and, you know, we don't see that, you certainly don't see that. I think they will try to make the playoffs this year and and next year if they re-sign Oladipo. But I think this is like a trial run. Well, you know, somebody pointed out on Reddit, and I agree with this, like the play-in tournament, right? It's it's sort of whatever, haha, little ratings grab. I think it might have a bigger effect because a team like Houston probably can't make the top eight, but they can certainly make the top 10. And is that good enough? Is that going to prevent guys from buying out like Victor Oladipo, for example, if they, you know, and certainly the fact that they don't have their own pick makes them more competitive as well. I just don't see the point. I mean, honestly, of making the playoffs no, listen, in round one. I, I, told, I totally get what you're saying. Like, I totally understand it. I'm just telling you what the both I've heard and, like, what I think the tea leaves say is that, like, this year they are going to be, like, like you said, they don't care in 2021. It makes no difference to them, right? No. Does this, does this change your opinion of Daryl Morey as the best GM or a top three? Because he really did leave a, a train wreck. I mean, right? I don't – I don't – I mean, I don't think it's a train wreck if, like <sighs> – I don't know. I, I definitely think it's like a burning orphanage and he just I, walked I away to the house think, next door. I definitely think like outside of like, I think like Masai and Pat Riley deserve a lot of credit, but like, I definitely think in terms of like revamping your team to be competitive and be able to compete for titles over a span of time. I don't think there's a lot of guys that are better than Daryl Morey. And I understand what you're saying. I understand like the, the Eric Gordon contract, and, and this is where like it's stupid because we're not going to sit here and talk about like intricacies of the CBA because one, we both don't know them, but like the Eric Gordon contract when they signed it, like it was important for them to sign it so like they could go over the cap with him and there was like a deadline on it and everything. And it's like, I just think like Maury pivots and and like shapes his team almost better than like anybody. You know, he, he comes into Philly and like, like, like instantly their team is much more cohesive and like a better contender. Right. It, it he, makes sense. But I will say this about his team in Philly. It annoys me. It, it annoyed me the way that things went down. And I, I mean, just excluding the whole Ch- NBA China thing, which was like a crazy, I mean, it was like a scandal. Like we never really talked about it. Right. Like we talked about it for like a week and then everything w- was like back to normal. He could have stood up for Mike D'Antoni. He could have established a little bit of a better culture with James Harden. Like he could have put his foot down on the Russell Westbrook deal. And like, that was like, it It, it did seem like he operated the last year as if he knew he wasn't coming back. Right. And he wanted Tillman Furtada to sit there and stare at the Brooklyn Bridge on fire. Like you said, like it absolutely right. seems that way. And also, I, I just don't like the blame shifting about the Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook. How many times do we hear that wasn't Maury? That wasn't Maury. Like, you're the GM. It's so like, weird. I, I listened to an interview with Chris Paul on JJ Reddick's podcast. And like, he, he made it seem like he knew that he was done. Like he was gone. Like he knew right away he was getting traded. He just didn't know to where. like it. I agree with you on that, Zan. I really do. It's, it, it, at well, some it's point, like, we, if, we need to stop protecting him. Right. Cause if you're the GM and arguably top three, most powerful GM in the league, and your owner or your star player comes to you and says, you're taking this guy who's getting $45 million a year for the next three years, and you hate that idea, and you can't stop it? I don't buy that. And I if mean, you want to leave the team, that's a good time to leave the team. Here's what I know. Not like right? wait a year to see how it plays so out. Obviously, the, the Chris Paul situation ends up looking bad for them because like Paul, I mean, he even said it like in the interview I listened to, like he feels really, really good, and it's very clear his body is holding up much better than he thought than Houston thought it would. And it made sense to trade him after 2019. Cause it looked like he was like going to fall off a cliff. And now, now he looks like he's like 28 again, you know? Well, and also the Daryl Morey thing, it's like, it feels like hedging your bets because to wait a year and then pretend like you didn't have anything to do with it. Cause what if that team last year worked out like with the small total small ball team won the title? Would Daryl Morey be going around whispering that he didn't really want Russell Westbrook? No, he'd no. be taking a lot of credit for it. And and it's weird too because like the analytics community has a tendency to like just defend whatever Daryl Morey does, right? And I've I've been guilty of it. And so I, I don't think we know what the deal is. I don't think we know if like Harden actually pushed for it. I don't think we know if Tillman pushed for it. Like I, I don't know. It's it's just like it's Buck it's, has to stop somewhere. And also the uh, Daryl Morey in this year. I get not wanting to disrupt the boat. It's like, to me, it shows like kicking the can down the road thing with this Philadelphia roster. Cause like, I think, uh, I think he wanted to trade Ben Simmons for James. Harden. Okay. I'm, Cause I'm, I was I'm just going to say pretty like, confident in that. They have the brand as this young team, but 
They're not super young. <laughs> Seth Curry's 30, Danny Green's 33, Tobias Harris 28, and Joel Embiid 26. Like this is sort of their window now. Yeah. And I think they like to paint themselves as like, we'll be really good in the future. Like the future should be now. And I think he was worried that if they trade for James Harden, it might not work. It probably wouldn't work. The odds are, you know, most teams don't win the title and then they get blamed for it. Do you think, I think they're it's, he's safer to be pretty good for the next few years instead? I mean, they're probably the second or third best team in the East, which is that leaves you within striking distance of competing for a title. I think they're, they're definitely right. worse than Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Indiana's good. Like at some point we should do a deeper dive into Indiana. It's interesting. They traded Oladipo for Lavert because of how we've seen them play. And they kind of got themselves more of a volumey guy, but I, I don't know. Like that's, we should talk a little bit more about that next week, I think. But like Indiana's pretty good. Like they're definitely they're not bad. They're playing smarter. They're playing faster. And then Boston is, I mean, Boston is Boston. Like now we've had a bunch of games canceled because of COVID. And like, who knows when Jason Tatum is like going to be ready to go and be a hundred percent again, but Kemba Walker is going to be back this week. And Boston is definitely good as well. So like, I think Philly is firmly in that top five. And if you think they're the third best team, like I, I probably wouldn't argue with you. I just definitely think they are worse than, I, I think there is a, a, a pretty decent divide right now between Milwaukee and Brooklyn and then, then that third team. Right. But you know, you put yourself in that position, maybe Durant gets hurt. Maybe, you know, Kyrie gets upset about something and leaves, you know, I mean, like what you if have somebody, a chance. What if somebody else decides like they're available though? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's just weird. Like Philly's structured quite differently. I think in the sense that they have the three max deals. And then obviously like Tobias Harris on a max deal just doesn't look good, but like Tyrese Maxey looks pretty good. Like they have guys that people would be interested in. Like you could trade Danny green. You could trade Matisse Tebel. You could trade Tyrese Maxey. Like those, those guys are all like relatively available and so, like, the Sixers definitely could have one more move, but the chances that that move is close to acquire James Harden is, right. is It feels slim. like this was the big domino, right? Do you and not think – do you – seriously, if, as I'm sitting here, do you not think that if if it was like, okay, we have Brooklyn on one line, we have Philly on the other line, Daryl, you have first right of refusal. If you want James Harden, give us Simmons, Thibault, and a pick. Do you think Daryl Morey was going to say no? I don't think so. I don't know. I think it, it's that's what it's like so hard because it's like you're dealing with the PR of a, a league where most teams lose. It's like if you calculate it and maybe the spreadsheets and whatever more fancy version of spreadsheets are, if we trade for James Harden, there's a 20% chance we win the title and an 80% chance they get blamed for this. For if not we don't trade for him, there's a 5% chance we win the title, but a 70% chance that like everyone thinks I'm a genius. Everyone thinks though. I'm really good. And like, yeah. I have another move and then like a 25% chance that I get blamed. Like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I, I mean, that's, that's here, sort of the world that we all live in is like worried about the risk. Right. I've sat here a bunch and said, you need to take human emotion out of a lot of decisions, but that doesn't mean that people do it. Right. And, and, and you would expect that Maury would be not a guy to do it. But I wonder I just, if there's a part of Maury that was like, he can't, that's what I always think of Philly. Like, could they trade him bead? And just go super small. I just think, you know, the fans are just riot. But And you know how I, fun it would be, though, to have Harden and Simmons on the same I team know. and have Simmons be your small ball five, but also, like, handle the ball like LeBron? Like, that would be fun. I think would be Maury really would like that team better, right? And has been so good this year, though. Yeah, like, honestly, really like, Embiid's been fantastic. Like, I, I feel like we, we've spent a lot of the first couple weeks of the season talking about the same couple teams because, like, there's the same couple teams are creating most of the news. But, like, like Denver, like, they just don't deserve – Jokic, like he's so good. Yeah, we should he, talk about that because uh, and basketball we don't have time to talk ta- about tracker. I'm just saying that Jokic is right now number one MVP it's, candidate it's according abs- to the stats. It's absurd. Like we don't have we don't have time to talk about like that, like Jokic and like. Indiana. But there's also a like, lot of like to your MB point. There's a lot of MVP buzz for him too. He's playing. He's playing amazing. Like he's he's legitimately playing awesome. He's had one pretty bad game where they played him on a back to back and it would, it looked bad. Like he he still is limited in how many minutes he can give you and how if he plays 41 night like he cannot not play in a back-to-back he's just done you know but like he's playing awesome he's been awesome defensively like they're they they, they have so much space around him now like Seth Curry's shooting like 60 percent from three on like an actual absurd amount of attempts like it's fun and like instead we're sitting here talking about James Harden going and giving a 90 second zoom conference about how his team is not good enough and it's like I, I just don't get it like and that's where I understand sometimes 
I'm never going to plant my flag and say that I don't want to watch the NBA because I, I love it. I think it's the talent level is higher than it's ever been. I think it's, it's super fun. I think there is a lot of drama, but like, I do understand people who are like, man, like what's the point of like getting emotionally invested in specific teams and players? Because like, if you don't have LeBron or you're not a fan of like Durant or, you know, you follow certain players around, like what, like, this is why like, well, I, think, I, I, I was excited that Giannis signed a Supermax. And I told you, I, I told you from the start, nobody. I, that's like the sign of an old person. And I'm with you. But I think it's just now, it's just clear that, like, people just root for players. They don't. They do. Teams. They do. Is it better for the NBA that James Harden is on the Brooklyn Nets, do you think? Yes. Because they, they're is, salivating right? over it Brooklyn is. Lakers. That would be yeah. great. I, I will say this, though, as an emotional thing, as somebody who follows players in the sense that I root for Durant from, I, I've sort of been his apologist. It just it it doesn't feel like it's hard to root for the Nets to me because <laughs> they're just like so stacked and and how much credit are they all going to get? For and it's not title? like it's not like a particularly likable group. Like we've talked about Durant's likability and like we've talked about Harden's and obviously Kyrie's just out there, you know, on on Kyrie Island. But like right. like I think if you're talking about like public teams, like good guys, bad guys, I think they'll be viewed as the villains against the Lakers. What it, it was, yeah, I think. Blake J. Harris texted us that, that like now LeBron gets to be the underdog for the right. 19th year in a row because like teams will, re- and it was, they were the it, underdog. It is players. funny that like, not to cut you off, but like LeBron's like, he's always on these underdog teams and he's never had a, you know, look at the super team. Like you had Kyrie Irving, by the way, remember Yeah, that? he was on like, your team. You had right. Kevin Love. You, you, you and literally you claimed were, that you were like massively underdog team back then. Too. It's, it's, it's stunning. It's like. I, I just feel I, it, it sucks in a way because like Utah is really good, right? Like Utah has been awesome. And I, I even text you about how good I thought Indiana was. And it's like, these teams are just kind of like marginalized to like, can you win two games in the Eastern or Western conference semifinals? Right. And it's like, it just, it's, it's annoying in, in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways, like this is the league that's been kind of created and you're exactly right. Like it's, it's so much better for the NBA because we want so badly to see Harden and Kyrie and Durant against LeBron and Anthony Davis or against Kawhi and Paul George. Like, it's just like, but it it is, it's just, it's frustrating. Right. And I was fairly emotionally invested in the Rockets and I was excited about seeing like Harden and John Wall play together. Cause like those are my, you know what, you know what you're missing though is I would say you're a hardcore basketball person. I think the majority of fans pay more attention to the trade rumors than they do, they do the Tuesday night game. Yeah. You know, like that's the fun part of watching the NBA for a lot of people is where's James Harden going to go? Let's talk about his trade packages. Let's write about possible returns for him. Oh, he's on the team now. I don't care anymore. I don't really want to watch the games. Hey, can you run me down? Do you have that MVP tracker in front of you again? Yeah, sure. Can you run me down? Like, I'd be curious to know, like, Steph Curry playing at an MVP level. Durant. Right, he's not team. on the list. He's, he's not on the list? This is just statistics. They have Jokic number one, LeBron two, Anthony Davis three, Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Embiid, Giannis at seven. Right. I now. still think I still think on Bovada the best odds are are Durant. He's still better than ten to one to be league MVP. And though maybe playing with two other superstars will hurt him, but like this dude can average thirty five in his sleep, and it's going to be what, a, what are Giannis's odds? I know there's a voter fatigue issue, but uh, he was he was plus eight hundred. I think it's lower now. But see, I would bet Giannis because it's like at the end of the day when the dust settles and they're the one seed and he's got great stats. I think it's hard to ignore that. He's not going to win three straight MVPs. Not especially not when he plays a game on ESPN and he goes one for ten. Like he goes one for ten on his first ten free throws. Like it's not going to happen. I just I think he's going to win it again. I and because Durant's now going to have he's going to be able to coast a little bit more. It would be pretty cool. It would be pretty cool if a guy like Jokic won MVP. Right? I know that's like, like where it's going right now, it, but it's reliance on the triple double narrative. He's averaging a triple double right now. I thought we agreed that that didn't matter. I thought I mean mo- we important. think it doesn't matter, but it it's, it totally matters for MVP. Where it's like if he gets ten assists a game, he might win it. But if he gets like nine point seven, he won't win it. That's how silly it is. And and Denver is struggling right now. Like they're six yeah. and seven. It's it's. Honestly, it's it's very funny that like I I thought letting Jeremy Grant walk was fine, and obviously Michael Porter Jr. hasn't played a ton, and they need to try to figure it out. I thought J. Michael Green was a good signing, but like the Nuggets have some actual issues that it, it, you know, and we're we're getting to the point now where we're going to be a quarter of the way through the season, and thinking that the Nuggets are just going to turn it on and get like the four seed, like the Nuggets might like they might screw themselves into playing like the Clippers in the first round, which might not be bad, but at the same time, if you're time, doing the Gary Harris watch, he's averaging. 2.5 rebounds in 32 minutes a night. That seems hard to do. 
Yeah, that was a, I've, I think I've told this story before, like when we would keep track of stats in college, uh, when like every once in a while, Fran Dunphy would stop practice and he would be like, Hey, how, how many rebounds does so-and-so have? And they, he'd know they had zero rebounds, right? Like he would have checked those before he'd have like an inkling of it before. And he'd be like zero rebounds, huh? So you're telling me like, you don't think I could put a trash can in the middle of the floor <laughs> and a ball would bounce into there. It's crazy. <laughs> you know, like, well, cause Gary Harris is not like, that's Isaiah Thomas, little Isaiah Thomas kind of numbers <laughs> to average Literally. two, two rebounds as a starter. It's like, do something, buddy. Do we, something out there we, if you're not uh, hitting shots. We are big fans of of ragging on Gary Harris on this show. All right. Uh, last thing before we go, you are two and two on your NFL picks. Oh, no. I'm going I to, was hoping you wouldn't mention that because I'm going to force – I am going to force you to make a pick in each game this weekend. I will tell you the odds on Bovada before we do it, but I think you already know them. So I don't because do people know about Mahomes? I mean, no, so they are both up despite there being no Mahomes. Okay, so no Mahomes. You have to. News. I would assume okay. that Mahomes is playing based on this number, but okay, let's hear it. All right, so we'll give you the Kansas City Chiefs at home minus three against the Buffalo Bills. I would assume with Mahomes, this might be four, maybe yeah, four and a half. Out. But right now, I think that you know they're hedging a tiny bit. Buffalo's good. Josh Allen did not look good against Baltimore. Sadly, Justin Tucker missed field goals for the first. You know, whatever. We don't need to talk about it. Lamar will be back. Lamar will be back. Anyway, what do you think? Chiefs minus three. Well, if Mahomes plays, I, I've always underestimated Buffalo. I've talked about how overrated they are for the last, like, two years, and they keep proving me wrong. But, I mean, look, Mahomes is better than Josh Allen. Let's, let's just be honest, right? I mean, I would take them. I think that line's going to go massively up, actually. I think it's going to go up to four or five. I would imagine so. Uh, Over-under in that game is 54, which is interesting because I do think these teams are going to score points. And then we got your boy, Tom Terrific, in Green Bay. The Packers are favored by four points, which I was surprised to see. I thought that was going to shoot up a tiny bit after we watched Brady play in a dome and not look great. I thought, like, I do think that if one guy is going to play well outside in the cold if, as the old quarterbacks, I think Brady's fine. But, yeah, Green Bay minus four, That it's, it's a weird line. I don't know. I, I truly well, you do. You know, would, it, we cite SRS a lot, those sort of computer power ranking schedule adjusted for basketball, and I tend to trust them. They're pretty and good. I did, I did in the NFL as well, but they had New Orleans as the best team. It got smoked. Tampa, the second best team, right? Yeah, and they well, New, Orleans down... gets, New Orleans didn't get smoked, by the way. Well, like, still pretty bad. You lose the turnover battle by four, and your quarterback can't throw it more than five yards. You're not going to win a lot of games. Anyway, the, go on. But the two teams that they that computers think are a little overrated are Kansas City and Green Bay, and Green Bay, and they yeah. both looked pretty good last week. Yeah, Rodgers so, for a guy that complains about having bad receivers. And, like, don't get me wrong. Like, he's going to win MVP, and, like, he deserves it 100%. But, like, for a guy that complains about having bad receivers, his receivers are open an awful lot. Not just Devontae Adams. Like, well, these a good are- scheme. They definitely, you know, they're, they're running well. That's really been the difference in the last couple of years. Yeah, their O-line's really so good. I wasn't I wasn't sure that, like, them losing Bakhtiri would not be a huge deal, and it did not look like a huge deal against the Rams. Now, obviously, Aaron Donald was limited, but. What about this question? So, are you NFL- taking, what are you doing? So, you're taking the Bucks plus four. No, I, I would, uh, I would take them plus four. I wouldn't bet it. I mean, if I had to, kind of my head, I would take. Yeah, them. I agree with you. This, this question from the like TV, though, partners. Super Bowl is going to be a glamorous matchup, regardless. You want Mahomes in there? Yeah, Brady versus you, Mahomes. Do you want Brady or Rogers? Who's more marketable in a Super Bowl? I think if you have Rogers, you you do the like MVP battle thing, right? Where like Mahomes was MVP and Rogers took it back. Whatever, blah blah blah. Think you want Tom Brady? I think it sucks. Well, it's also like, a good story. But Green Bay, like but, but, Green, but Green Bay though, but Green Bay though, you get like Green Bay obviously is a is a is a good football market. So like the the TV networks aren't upset about having the Packers in the Super Bowl, right? Because they're a big brand, right? So Packers Chiefs is is probably better, I think, from a viewership. I mean, everybody watches. They gotta get a hundred million people watch the Super Bowl anyway. So who cares, right? I well, don't know. I think, I, I, think I prefer to see Brady. I prefer Brady's to see more Brady. polarizing, but that might be good or bad. Like people love him or hate him. I I want to go on the record, and I'm not going to say that the Chiefs are going to win. I would bet the Chiefs minus three as well, but I do think the Chiefs would. I don't think Brady is capable of winning a shootout anymore. I don't think he can against a really good offense. Rodgers, yeah. I think he could. Well, that's what we get into football sometimes off 
Mike about Lamar Jackson types and Drew Brees types. It's just like I want a guy who can score in a minute. Yeah, and and, and Mahomes can do it. Rogers, it just maybe it just, less so, but a little bit. Rogers can definitely. I mean, the Packers are like pretty explosive, but like Rogers doesn't look like like Brady is diminished in terms of his ability to to put the ball where he needs to twenty five yards down the field. Like he's still like miles better than like I said to you earlier this morning. Like it's pretty amazing that at 44 or 43 or whatever, like he's still an average to good right. NFL quarterback. And like that's incredible because we watch Breeze and Roethlisberger and these dudes can't, they can't throw eight yard outs anymore. And well, so here's, it's like, here's a crazy Mahomes like confidence thing. And maybe they're over, we're overconfident in them. But if Mahomes had the ball to win the game, they're down six at his own 10 with a minute left. I bet, the, Chiefs, I bet, I bet the live odds on the chiefs would be like, Plus one ten, I bet. I swear to God. But like, what, don't good. you think in your gut you would think he would score? I mean, that's that's the way it's been for years. Like, there's been guys where it's like, all right, you left him too much time, and and Mahomes is that guy that now in the NFL, right? Like, because the Bills score really fast, but I'm not scared of Josh Allen in that yeah. sense. No, I would they, still be scared of Rodgers. I think I still would be. Scared. I would be I would, scared of Rodgers and Russell Wilson for some reason. Seen to have comebacks, but <laughs> Brady, you'd happen, think he'd yeah. be too slow. I just don't think so. But anyway, great week of football. Good week yes. at NBA. Hopefully we get to see Kyrie with the Nets and, and see what it looks like. Next week, we'll talk about some smaller teams that are playing well. Uh, MTV Challenge accepted. Thursday or Fridays, listen to you and your brother, Dondrick Ellison. Uh, he is Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. And you can email the show, Ellison at gmail.com. And uh, as always, Zan, it's a pleasure, buddy. I'm glad we had the chance to go deep on the Harden stuff. Um, it's Hey, love it or hate it, it's, it's a storyline. It's certainly interesting to watch. I, I hope we have less drama. I, I want to get less drama so we can focus more on – on court stuff. So hopefully yeah. we can do that, but we'll talk next week. All right. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the underdog sports NBA show with your host, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.